Microphone check. One, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. What is up, family? Today, I am joined by a very special guest by the name of $2 Will, a rapper who is legitimately, no no jokes, one of the funniest artists I've, I've ever heard, uh, with a crazy, impressive work ethic. $2 has made many projects already, most notably Red Snow 5, an album that was released on March 26, 2021. Co-starring the Blicky Boys and Iceberg Theory, friend of the show who I interviewed earlier this year. So we're going to dig into the origins of Tudala, how he developed his one-of-a-kind style, why comedy is something he loves to put into his music, Butte, Montana, where Will is from, and Red Snow 5, and much more. So, Will, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. You probably hanging out with the tweakers secretly smoking My rhyme book like a sunken treasure deep in the ocean My speeches are golden Abuse streets with the devious roaches When a season approaches Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to chop it up with you. Uh, as I said before, it's just... Uh, hearing your music was, was definitely a shock, to be honest, when I heard it. I couldn't really believe what I was hearing, how funny it was took me a while to even get with it but after that i've i've really been enjoying it particularly red snow five i actually checked out the project you put out yesterday um which i've been meaning to cop what's it called again getting uh, once upon a time uh, once upon a time in silver bow yeah that's a yeah. silver bow county it's like uh butte's basically the only town in silver bow county okay and well, that's just where i live nice it's more butte but Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> so, okay. So, so, uh, so $2 will, where did your name come from? That's something I've been very curious about. This is actually a really crazy story. So back when I first, like my first uh, actual recorded rapping, which I could probably find, but I'm not gonna, because I don't want anyone to hear it. I was in like eighth grade. So I have songs from back when I was in eighth grade, even. But this is from when I want to say I really like started at least frequently rapping was like junior year of high school. Me and a couple of friends, we we like made this video just rapping outside the bus station, the one bus station in Butte. And, you know, we we're just spitting ridiculous bars like you are, you think I say funny stuff now. This stuff probably wasn't even funny, but it was like funny to a. 15 year old oh yeah, yeah you know what i mean and it was just stupid but we were just rapping outside this bus station and we sent it to like the other people in town that we knew rap and these fucking 30 year old guys they went by the chevy boys took such offense to this for some reason they freaked out they like made like three or four freestyle videos just like freestyling dissing us like these you 15 year old kids no, we didn't diss them at they all. Just they just were like, that offended. They just straight up dissed 15-year-olds. They hated it. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but they just, it just set them off the wrong way. Like, they were fucking pissed. And this dude goes, the only t last time you saw some change was when your aunt gave you some $2 bills or something. And I was like, you know what? I'm $2 Will. I don't know. I was just some dumb shit as like a 15 year old kid. I like took their diss and made it my name and it's just stuck. Mm -hmm. Word. So, so you kind of touched on it. How did you, how'd you really get into rapping? Was it just in eighth grade, uh, kind of fucking around with your friends and then you grew to like it? Like what inspired you to really take this seriously and actually enter the game? 
Well, I definitely wasn't. I don't think I was taking it serious at first. I was always into like funny rap in Butte. You know, rap is not a very big thing. Like not that many people listen to hip hop or know like hip hop. And even the stuff that people were listening to at the time was just, you know, they only knew what was big on the radio. And a lot of the time it was even behind the times like Nelly was big in Butte probably 10 years after everywhere else in the country like there's literally if you go on to our main radio station you're still going to hear hot in here is probably the, one of the first three songs like it's crazy <laughs> so we're like always behind the times but also we missed apparently the entire 90s like all the good shit so i mostly just knew comedy rap and all the shit i everyone i listened to said the best was wu-tang best their favorite rappers were Wu-Tang so that was the first real actual hip-hop I listened to and from there I just like was addicted and I just wanted to start rapping basically because I was always like creative even before then I was making like stupid little joke raps in eighth grade and shit so I just you know me and my friends were just into rap we were the only people really into rap as far as I knew at the time at least and so we so decided to just start rapping Word. And so you you mentioned comedy rap. What are some of your kind of like the more defining influences in that lane that uh, really inspired you? The only ones I'd say that really like had any major influence on me, at least as a kid, were the Lonely Island. Mm. If you're familiar with them, I'm sure yeah. you probably are. Yeah. yeah, I was even before that, like fifth, sixth grade. That was like my shit. I loved the Lonely Island. Like, I'm on a boat like a boss were some of my favorite songs ever yeah, made. It, yeah. it was kind of ridiculous. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Man, I think, I mean, I think around that time, they really were popular. Was that like 2008, 2010, something like that? I was young, too. Yeah, I was exactly. in eighth grade, 10th grade, something along those lines. So that, that shit made me, made me die. Oh, really? How old are you? I'm, I'm 26 oh. right now. Just turned 26 last week. Oh, okay. Ago. Yeah yeah so happy late birthday yeah yeah yeah. thanks man um yeah yeah, they were hilarious about that era yeah and uh so people like weird al was that ever something you were actually into no actually i never really got into his stuff to be honest like he's funny but like it was never like the lonely island had like beats and stuff that i would actually want to go back and listen to like if you actually ignore how stupid some of the stuff they're saying like on their first album, they got this joint produced by DJ Newmark from Jurassic Five. That if you just ignore that the fact that they're saying dumb shit, mm -hmm. they actually rap pretty nice. So like I could really enjoy that. I don't know. With Weird Al, it's like I would know the original song, so it'd be harder for me to like get into it as much. Yeah. Yeah. You don't enjoy Weird Al, or I've never definitely enjoyed Weird Al from like a straight musical level. If anything, I'm like, oh, that shit's funny and like that's it you know because i find like there's a pretty big difference between a weird al and there's like parody rap which i think is what he does and then there's rap that's very funny and i think that's where you fall into where it's like you actually can enjoy the bars you can enjoy the beats you can enjoy obviously the comedy to it but it's not like oh haha ha, he's making this is funny and that's like the only thing because like weird al like he rapped straight over those those beats like he jacked like the what's that famous one the ryan dirty one white and nerdy yeah like that yeah exactly i never like bumped that oh this is a sick song i just played it because it was funny at the time exactly like what honestly inspired me to be funny wasn't even really like those humorous or like those comedy groups like that it was really like after i started listening to rap like my favorite rappers were always still funny like my favorite rappers ever are sean price and Redman, and probably big l three of my mm -hmm. biggest influences and th those three guys are all hilarious you know what i'm saying so like stuff that wasn't funny just kind of was a little more boring to me unless it was really fucking good like you know i'm not gonna say mob deep's boring mob deep was one of my favorite groups ever but like they didn't influence me in the same way i knew i wasn't like that you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i can be i don't know funny so it sounds like, yeah, like you, you obviously appreciated music that wasn't in the funny lane, like a mob deep, for example, but 
you definitely right. took more inspiration from people that I think are more aligned to actually, you know, who you are. Cause it sounds like you're every, every interaction I've seen with you online, your music, you, you seem like a genuinely funny person. So it makes sense that, yeah, like people like Sean Price, that guy's dry humor is, is really something special and rest in peace to him. Cause man, he would say it in, in the weirdest ways. Like it would be the hardest bar ever. He'd be saying it so much passion and anger, but it was legit. Like, or it'd be something that wasn't hard and he'd say it like it was the hardest thing you heard in your life. Yeah. Like I, which I love that shit too. He'd he was self-aware, like, man. He was self-aware. Sean like, Price. I could talk about Sean Price for the entire interview, honestly. Like he's he is the greatest rapper of all time, in my opinion. No, that's that that's like, real. That's real. Brokest rapper, you know. That's a that's no rapper would dot even think saying that and proclaiming themselves as the brokest rapper, you know. That just speaks to how funny it was, how how real he was. Not before him, no one really like they would have been embarrassed to make that, but he made it sound cool. Mm-hmm. He made it being the brokest rapper you know. He made it sound like the thing you want to aspire to me, almost <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was crazy. Which obviously you don't want to be the brokest rapper someone knows, but Sean Price made it sound dope. And so you, so you're you chose to go kind of the more humor-filled rap versus more striking, I guess you could say, more serious unfunny tone like most rap is is there any other key reasons is there a reason related to maybe that you feel like this is missing in the game like is there anything else other than it just genuinely comes naturally to you um it's a combination of the two i think i always like to do just what comes most naturally like i try not to think about anything too hard like whatever i want to do or like whatever i keep finding myself going back to wanting to do something like I just feel like that's probably what I'm going to be the best at because that's the natural thing Mm -hmm. but also at the same time like a lot of rappers right now aren't that funny and which is cool there's a ton of rappers that I fucking love right now but most of them are just serious and it's you know it's not as fun to listen to for like all day like eventually it's like shit come on man i gotta like calm down like it puts you in a different mindset honestly like you almost need something more fun to -hmm. listen to yeah yeah i feel like i feel like a lot of times i know even myself sometimes but i know other friends that are in a rap sometimes they can't listen to it for like the whole day or long periods of time because they just need a break and they might do something else they might try to watch some tv chill with friends instead to kind of decompress from all that like often very serious content very violent content whatever it may be so yeah you kind of fill in that gap where you can listen to something lighter you still get like in my opinion a lot of rapping quality too a lot of musical quality but it's also just like light and fun and and uh kind of like you know like there's actually when the album came out march 26th red snow five I was actually in a pretty like shitty mood. I was just not having a good week and I was on a walk. It was really cold. I live in Ottawa in Canada. So it's right now it's not bad, but I think it was like minus five at the time and it was rainy a bit, sleet, snow kind of feel. And I was walking to the beer store, then doing some groceries. And I just played, that was about 30, 40 minutes. I played like the majority of your album. And by the end of it, I just like kept finding myself smiling and just like felt so much lighter and just like not as like serious because a lot of times i just take things too seriously i take everything too personally i freak out anxious all that and i was kind of the end of it i was like you know what it'll be okay i need to chill i I really appreciate that actually that's that's awesome to hear i'm glad my album like helped fucking make your day better like god damn that's crazy to me No, no no i appreciate you doing it i appreciate you doing it and on the as you kind of we talked about off air here um one of the funniest things kind of motifs themes 
patterns that you have in your music is soccer moms. I come to town to pillage and plunder. Saw goblins sniffing pills by the dumpster. Soccer mom with the side angle dumper. Turns to will for support and comfort. We tore the covers. My rhymes unfold like a secret scroll uncovered. So why do you and soccer moms get along so well? What's the connection there? Um, you know, I honestly, it's just like, I kind of look young and I have red hair and soccer moms just love that. Like, <laughs> I'm really nice. Like, I'm really friendly. I think they just see me as like a good kid. They want to corrupt oh. <laughs> or something. To be honest, I don't know. And that's just like, I don't know. I've always been into like these milfy ladies i guess so like that's always been who i go for so i've just like i how like their, how do their kids usually feel about that their kids don't usually know oh oh shit pretty much ever like like never honestly like the kids are separate they like keep their kids separate from their personal uh affairs i don't know Where? which sense. i'm fine with because like yeah, it's I, less I messy know. You know, actually, it has been before, like, like, as I've, I've even rapped about, but I don't know. Yeah, it has gotten a little weird, a little, a little messy. I think there's a track on uh, Red Snow 5. I don't remember which one it is. I think it might be. Actually, I'm not. You'll, you'll, you'll remember it, obviously, is you kind of talk about a, a soccer mom or a milf or whatever, uh, freaking out on you a bit. It, it fucking made me laugh so much. <laughs> This makes it feel real. It makes it feel so much more real. Or hearing you hearing you speak it, add some color to that. That's hilarious. That's a life Which I don't one? understand. I don't remember. Or, it's like towards the end or middle of the album. I can remember the flow. You need saying to talk. It. Fuck. I sideswiped. Guess I sideswiped your father's truck. Now I'm fucked. Or that something might like be that. it. There was something where like she was like freaking out. Like she, you were saying like, oh, she was. Nah. I wish I remembered it. It might come to me. It might come to me. But. We can move on good. to uh, kind of more just generally your lyrical approach. Did you did you start off rapping in this way the whole time? Did you ever kind of have a phase where you were trying to kind of fit in more and be more kind of conventional slash traditional? Yeah, I definitely did. I had a few. I had a few phases, I guess I'd say, because like my first phase of ever rapping, or like the first phase that I want to like will give any credit to at all would have been like when I was like a senior in high school me and a, some friends of mine dropped an album or dropped a mixtape and it was just purely stupid shit but it was like still butte shit actually if you go back to it like we we're still rapping about butte and like butte tweakers and stuff it was just bullshit but we were rapping on the same or I guess beats that we knew like we actually rapped on a beat from Cuban Links. I've seen the album on your wall. We okay. rapped on Wu Gambinos. We rapped on Mob Deep beat. Rapped on a beat from like 2001 by Dr. Dre. So we were going in like that direction, just saying really dumb versions of almost what I say. And then as I moved on, I like did try to fit in a little more, but I still made it funny. It was just much more focused on like butte and like the tweakers and meth and drugs and stuff that's going on in town i guess probably trying to fit in with like griselda and shit that would have been mm. like when i discovered them probably a lot of stuff that's actually not even out right now i'd like took it off band camp then the turning point i want to say was actually i can tell you the exact song i was always even when I started doing that stuff, I remember there was a song where I said something about like, I fucked your mom, stabbed your dad, something like that. But the real turning point was a song called Free Mickens, which is actually the first song that uh, the current Blicky Boys have together because it was actually the second verse Lil Curb Stomp ever rapped. It was called Free Mickens. It's on Red Snow 4. And I said, put your dad in a casket i put your mom on my mattress and i thought that was so funny for some reason so i just started going 
really into these mom bars after that because i was like i know a bunch of like shit i could rap about this you know i know soccer moms i know plenty of them and since then actually is when i've really actually i don't know started to get to know them is when i started rapping about them but that song right there is what completely led me in that direction and then from there i started just wanting to say more outlandish shit because i thought it was funny to say funny shit or it was chappy i guess which is a word probably most most people don't understand but chappy the best way i have to explain that is a song like uh something that just basically makes you laugh like it feels really good it it can either there's a lot of ways i guess to define it but like you know the song 20 minute turnarounds with iceberg theory on that album that is a beat that i would consider chappy it's like a where the beat makes you laugh where the bars are funny on there either because iceberg is just saying incredible fucking shit over a really good but incredibly ridiculous sounding beat that's chappy i guess what would you say is the kind of overall goal or intention that you set to kind of accomplish with your music like what do you want people to get out of it as a listener to get out of it um i just want i just want them to enjoy it really like I just want to make in like music that people really enjoy, but I, I want them to hear how I'm rapping. Cause I feel like I'm rapping really well. <laughs> and I don't know. I just want them to get like a really, you know, the same feeling I get when I listen to albums. I love, I want them to get that feeling when they hear it basically. Yeah. And I think uh, w- what has been, what has been one of your kind of like the weirdest funniest strangest uh reactions that uh anybody's giving you when you show them their music because i can imagine it might be some some funny ones funny reactions i mean people have like reacted just like my mom reacts probably has the funniest reaction (laughs) so like we drop me and like uh, the arsonist it's like the blicky boys buddha who i'm sure you, uh, who's on red snow five three times milo the pyro just everyone in butte that like i fuck with we do a christmas album every year and the first opening bar on last year's christmas album is i say your mother's lips taste like peppermint and i said something to my mom because it was right at christmas time and i didn't even know she bumped the album but she's like, hey, do you want this peppermint bark? And I was like, no, I'm chilling. I'm honestly not a huge peppermint fan. And she's all, oh, so were you disappointed when that person's mom's lips taste like peppermint? And I was like, oh, my <laughs> fucking God. Like in front of my whole family, my sister's boyfriend, just everyone. I was like, Jesus Christ. Why are you bringing this into family dinner? That is hilarious. That is hilarious. So she's like supportive in general. Like She actually listens to your music. That's awesome. She's like supportive, but I don't think she like supports what I say. I just think she supports me. Fair enough. Basically, I don't know. I I think she thinks it's funny. I, I think it's she thinks it's funnier than she'll actually gr- give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Probably. And so but. we've touched on it a bunch of times uh, right now. You put on for your city, Butte in montana as hard as i can think of any artist puts on for their city Uh, it's almost mentioned in every song of yours and the lyrical references the titles whatever it is reference your hometown so what is what does butte mean to you and why do you feel it's so important to rep your city as hard as you do well i don't know if it's that important to rep your city i just think it's that important to rep butte (laughs) um that's just it's like the butte attitude i just think that like the way butte is it's unlike any other place i've ever been to just the whole fuck you were from butte mentality like i just think it's fascinating honestly the 
whole town of Butte, the history, like Butte used to be one of the, actually the biggest city on this side of the Mississippi. We were like the fucking New York of uh, just this half of the country, basically. And especially during like the world wars, because we have like these huge copper mines and now Butte is nothing. It's like just a little small shithole town in Montana where like no one lives you can't even tell that it used to be that big because you you actually i'm because i know you heard the meterville album Mm -hmm. it used to be twice the size that it is they actually tore down most of it to fucking mine it there's a giant pit filled with like acid water then just i don't know i just think it's like a story butte is just something that needs to be heard because it's just interesting it's unlike anywhere else and i just think it's kind of like a world people need to be brought into because i see stuff just like driving down the street like that especially in a small town you don't ever see like proportionally to how big we are the amount of like meth heads fucking stabbings and shit is ridiculous and i just butte reps itself that hard so I just don't feel like I could be a rapper from Butte, especially the first one that I feel like a lot of people are ever going to hear and not rep it that hard because I feel like the city deserves it. We haven't even had anyone worthwhile like ever come out of here. The only fucking famous person to ever come from here is Evil Knievel, and he's a piece of shit. <laughs> Damn. Man, yeah, like it, it seems like it's a pretty tight-knit community. Because even amongst a a place where you're saying there hasn't really, I mean, you said no one of note, you didn't even specify rapper. Uh, You named like six six people right there just a a few minutes ago that you you really messed with. So it seems like you guys who are in it, you guys stay close and and rep each other. Yeah, basically, we all, we're all really good friends. Those guys I just named, there's other people in Butte who rap, but. Shout out to Abnormal. He's actually on Red Snow 5. He's not like uh, in like our crew kind of. He's the only other person I know that like raps that I would call my friend really or anything. Shout out to Dylan Boyle too, actually. He's cool too. But he's even in a, in a completely different subgenre. Like he makes just trap and he's dope at it. He works with masters a lot, but yeah, we just stick together, I guess. The rest of the artists in town don't really like us or they're fairly neutral on us, but we're just so different. Word. And uh, so now I want to move to Red Snow 5, your your recent album that I personally think is the best thing I've heard from you so far. Catch me getting stoned like Michael Phelps. I'm in the hot tub with your mother, high as hell. I practice so I'm rhyming well. I throw the quarter in the well, wish for a quarter to a hell. By no means do I feel like it was a necessarily some wildly different change in direction, but given the length, the focus I feel, and the production quality, it, I, I felt like it was bigger in feeling. So did you approach this album any differently than your previous work? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, I'm, I had made a couple, I made three songs. The two songs that Blood Blixing produced and the song that Foul Monk produced beforehand. Just like messing around making, you know, random songs for potential albums. And I was like, these should go on Red Snow 5. But my plan, I'd, I had it planned out for a few months to me the most fun thing in the world is making music so on my birthday all i wanted to do was make a tape so i just set that time aside like got it you know planned it with masters everyone else like come up to master's place work on red snow five on my birthday and i like spent that time finding samples that i really really liked and really thought would go good together and make a dope album and just make dope beats that masters would fucking kill so i had all these samples set aside 
pretty much every song that Masters produced is one of those samples. And we just made six of them. The just the general backbone of the album. I was going to make more that day, but I never drink and I got fucking really drunk. So I kind of passed out and, you know, it all went to shit as it <laughs> would. But we made the majority of that album that day just like enjoying, you know, just having a really good time. It was like a birthday party in a way. I mean, there were no girls there or nothing, but it was like a kind of birthday party slash album recording session. It was one of the most fun sessions of my life. Iceberg sent through a bunch of verses. Regis got there first, so we got a bunch of work in. Stompy always has like writes fast and has shit ready to go. So we just made a lot of it that day and you can really feel it like, especially towards the end of the album. If you listen to, Oh, what's the song Shanghai noon. You can tell compared to my other verses on there that I'm really drunk. You can like feel the different energy, probably the less good rhymes, but like, I just sound really fucking cool. I guess. I don't know. So it was different. It was like more focused on my end because I knew what I wanted to sound to make it sound like. And Masters is a fucking genius. He's probably yeah. my favorite person to work with. Like we've got probably 150 songs on my computer right now that either aren't going to come out or are planned for some future project. We just hang out and make songs together all the time. So we just kind of put together the backbone for this album finished out a few more songs later on and then a few random songs just kind of made it on there as well that i don't know they just were like like the song ra the rugged man with little curb stomp was an older song but i just put it on there because i had six verses from iceberg six verses from young regis and five from little curb stomp and it was just bugging the fuck out of me i was like if i have six verses from each of these guys i gotta have six verses from curb stomp too yeah and uh you bring up that song so i mean before i get to that you i find that really interesting because i definitely didn't know that that you you actually kind of picked the samples and got masters to then make the beats off that i find that pretty interesting do you do that normally is that kind of how you guys record uh, recently, probably for the past like five to six months, that's what we've been doing. Yeah, because I think you picked some really dope samples. I didn't know you had really a hand in that. I thought that was all the producers. So that's that's uh, that's really interesting. And yeah, so going to 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 that RA track, I just want, I just had a general question. I because you like obviously the tracks call that, and then also you have a line something like, "Well, uh, you're bumping." I bet you bump RA or something like that. Is that like, is that supposed to be an insult? Cause I, I, before you feel like pressured to answer a certain way, I don't particularly have an affinity for RA the rugged man. I think he's super talented, but I can't really say I love his music. Like I like his features more than his actual albums. They come off too kind of self-important for my personal taste, but I mean, I respect the pen. I know he's a great talent, but, but yeah, just a question about that. It was just funny to me. So it is supposed to be an insult. I'm not an R.I. the Rugged Man fan, and I I think he's like kind of corny and stuff. But really, no, I've met a good amount of R.I. the Rugged Man fans, like super big fans, and those people are usually all really whack individuals. So it's like, <laughs> I'm saying you're like probably one of those type of people. Like they're like just these yeah. really like, oh, bring real hip hop back. I only listen to R.I. the Rugged Man and Token. <laughs> Oh, like they're just crazy motherfuckers that like it's crazy because they're like i don't know i actually maybe i'm just thinking of one individual person that <laughs> but there's like a certain type of like hip-hop fan that at least exists out in montana that are just like very very like behind like they're unaware of any anything going on in the underground right now to the point like 
these guys probably don't even know who like Griselda or Action Bronson even are. Rock Marciano, they, uh, they're like, but they're like, are right, the Rugged Man fans? They're usually really into like some no no dist of Vinnie Paz. I fuck with like Jedi mind tricks and shit, mm-hmm, but yeah, they're yeah. usually big into Vinnie Paz. I don't know. There's like a certain section of like rap fan that is really like underrated as being whack because I don't think many people know them. Yeah, RA fans, I find they're kind of part of that group of hip hop fans that say they like lyricism a lot and they like, you know, real rap, all that crap. But I find they're pretty, they're pretty, uh, what do you call it? Um, not open-minded at all to other kinds of really lyrical rap that exists today. That's just a bit more different, like a Rock Marciano, you mentioned, Action Bronson, Arm and Hammer even. Like these people are crazy lyrical in my opinions, particularly Marcy and, and Arm and Hammer. Those are like some of my goats pretty much. But they just like lyrical rap that's just on a boom bap beat always wrapped in a way that's very 90s feeling and i obviously like that stuff too it's just you can tell when those people exist because they tend to just like super fast technical flows they may even like logic or they don't like logic and they only don't like him because of some of the fans but i don't yeah i don't i don't mess with that at all and i find it it's really self-serious and that's part of the part that annoys me the most like ra just Something about his personality rubs me the wrong way, but I'm not going to talk about him personally. I just, from his interviews, it just seems like, you know, bring real rap back. It's that kind of same feeling that I get from the fans that I just, I just don't find appealing at all. Really? Well, I was actually, I was a fan of his until I saw interviews with him. And then I was like, it made his entire, it put like his music in a different context for me that made it just seem whack to me after that. But that was like in high school, but the those guys what's crazy to me is like they're those fans i mean they want like these certain type of beats that are like sound like boom bap beats or whatever usually they like hate like a beat with no drums usually that's like their main go-to they're like this beat has no drums what the fuck are you doing how could you you took the drums out you're a fucking monster like they get so offended by it but if you listen, like, honestly, like, to me, Rock Marcy or someone like that sounds more similar to, like, a 90s rapper than those artists even do, just because it sounds so much more, like, natural and authentic. Mm-hmm. Like, those beats now, the drums on them, you, like, those artist beats, they usually sound really, like, stiff and, like, like, I don't know. I saw Planet Asia tweet about like Kmart drums one time, and that's immediately. <laughs> that's what exactly what it is. Yeah, that I think of that every time. I think of like those fans now. They're like, the beats sound like just like a really bootleg version of '90s beats. Where like, if you get a Rock Marcy's song, these people clearly don't even like listen that deep. And I don't even. I don't know why I'm only mentioning him i just feel he's like an example most people should know uh like he still has shit with hard drums on it like oh what was the song with uh it was like the first song i ever heard stove got on it was on a marcia lago that puff daddy song oh that song's got harder drums than any of those like fucking fake 90s sounding beats sound like and I mean, even that shit sounds like a fairly 90s beat, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But it just sounds like a modern evolution where the others sound like just a retread. And these people just prefer the retread because they don't want anything new. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. They just basically want to live in the same decade forever, which personally... I guess is fine, but they're usually whack people for other reasons than that. Even <laughs> like usually they're, yeah. all, I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I think uh, at its core rap is rap is amazing because it, it's, it always manages to stay current and authentic 
rap has evolved a hundred billion times in, in its short infancy of a genre. And that's what's kept it strong, kept it great, in my opinion. And I, yeah, I find like trying to just stay in the past is so anti like what makes rap great. Like, cause yeah, you get Marcy feels authentic. That's like a good way to put it, even though the sound is not exactly the same as it was in the nineties. Like it just feels like it's in the same spirit of it, I guess. And that, that like, yeah, like those, uh, that kind of, those kind of beats, that kind of style that just seems like it's trying too hard that that's not rap. Well, it is rap, but it's not good rap. It's yeah. It's just whack rap. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's go back to your, to your album. Cause I want to talk about the, the Cuban link style approach that you had with the two key co-stars and the Blicky boys and the iceberg theory. And so let's start with the bit Blicky boys describe your relationship with them. How did you guys meet? And, uh, how's it like recording with them? Well, I'm, I'm actually one of the Blicky boys. Yeah. I was yeah. just co-starring the other two. Yeah. 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 But, You're part of the Blicky boys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I've known young Regis for longer than little curb stomp young Regis. I met at like a show way back in the day in Butte. Uh, when I was like kind of a kid, I met him one time. We did a show together. We were like, yo, you're dope. You're dope. And then like later on, we did like probably another show together. We just started like hanging out, making songs and shit. And we've been, I've probably been making music with young Regis for like two or three years now. I want to say something like that. And then I remember I dropped an album with one eight seven back in 2019. Um, and the, on four twenty. And I remember that day real well. Cause that was actually the first day I met Lil curb stomp. I went to young Regis's and we were smoking with him and, and fresh who i mentioned in my bars who was like a weed like a one of the more um i don't know popular weed dealers in town i guess just this dude fresh um and we were smoking with them and bumping my album and i remember uh it's so well because i would see curb stomp later on from them and this is before he'd ever rapped like maybe a, like you know drunk freestyler freestyles or something but just he had never like actually tried to rap or anything and i remember later on he told me it was like man I, that album i thought was trash but then you drop that next album i dropped this uh the original jagaloon tape and that one like he he said made him realize that someone from butte could even be dope so i was there when he even started rapping like I said, the second song he ever made was that Free Mickens song I talked mm -hmm. about earlier. So I've known them forever, and we just have so much fun rapping together. The Blicky Boys was originally just me and Lil Curb Stomp, actually. We have an album okay. called The Rise and Demise of the Blicky Boys that just it just dropped last November. And we've been making songs basically since he started rapping. We've just been making a bunch of songs together he didn't even have songs that weren't with me until he just recently a couple like two weeks ago now i want to say put out an album okay. so he and i have just naturally i don't know we've just always sounded dope together our voices or something and just our styles like you know the way he'll say just crazy fucking shit like uh, I don't even want to come up with an example because I feel like I won't do it justice to how he raps it. Like, yeah, no, but you get you guys seem to just fit perfectly together. Uh, for those that are haven't listened yet, uh, the the album that I definitely really fuck with, uh, Blicky Boys Gangsta Edition, all Blood Blixing beats. Blood Blixing's like quickly becoming like one of my favorite producers he's just he's one of the best producers ever i think just crazy like I, I don't even i've only really even gotten like hip to his stuff towards the end of last year but i've just been binging hard and the beats he gave you guys was was really really dope i think that's a dope album um, thank you and and so now if we move to the other co-star of this project uh iceberg theory when i like so I got introduced to you through him 
And I found it really strange at first when I first like listened, I'm like, oh, who is this guy? Let me listen to him. I was like, this, this, like, I don't know how to describe Ice, like, but in terms of his music, like it's has a lot of religious themes. It's very esoteric, mystical. And I found it hilarious that he messed with uh, this kind of hip hop that's very lighthearted, hilarious, and just something I didn't see uh, as a side of Ice, like at that, till that point at least. And so having worked together quite a bit already with him, you guys have a collab project and have many collaborations. Uh, in addition to that, why do you think you guys click so well? Because it seemed like a surprise to me at first, but it, it works. It surprised me too, actually, because I first met him. I knew his music a little bit, or I never really met him, but like online met him. Mm -hmm. I know I heard I knew his music that he had, like his albums that he had been recently putting out. I think the first the first album I heard from him was the one he and Blood Blixen did together. That was the first album I'd heard from either of them, actually. Oh, shit. That's and I was one. like immediately a fan of both of them because I was like, I don't know what the fuck this iceberg dude's talking about, but he could rap. So like, <laughs> and his shit sounds dope. So I started listening to his shit more and started understanding it a bit more, but I'm still like, I'm still lost with some of the stuff he says, but I'm just like, I don't even care because it's so fire mm -hmm. the way he like flows it and rhymes it. Like his rhymes are really intricate. Like, oh, it's crazy. But I saw him advertising a beat sale and I, I, I didn't know his beats. I never heard a single beat he produced, but I was like, this guy has just dropped like 800 albums with fucking August <laughs> Fannin or do you say Fannin or Fanon? I actually never heard You know heard what's it. crazy? I've heard the rapper heard he's both. collabed with say it the two different ways on the same damn album. I was like, yo, get it right. I don't know what it is anymore. I think it's Fanon. I think so. I've heard, too. I, I hear Vic Spencer say like Fanon, August Fanon, what up, or something in a song. And then I think he straight up says Fanon in another track. And I'm like, okay, that didn't help. But I think it's Fanon. Vic Spencer's dope, by the way. Yeah. But oh, yeah, yeah, I was Love like, it. Iceberg's got fucking 800 albums with August Fanon. There's no way he's selling whack beats. So I just hit him up about his sale he was doing. And he was charging more at the time. He's doing like these crazy sales that people are sleeping on. Oh yeah, too yeah. heavy right now. He was charging a decent amount more. Like, and I bought these beats without ever having heard from him. And I, I didn't make that album for a while because, you know, Curb Stomp had all he had done was he co-starred on Red Snow Four, which is it's like a Red Snow tradition actually. Like the second one on, I've always had like a. A different co-star like the second one was buddha who's on this one three times but the fourth one was curb stomp and that was basically besides our christmas album that we had dropped all the music he had out so i was working on doing an album with him because i thought the world needed more curb stomp i wanted to hear more curb stomp so i kind of put off the iceberg album for a while finishing that and then the christmas album put it off more so it took forever but I sent him, I started sending Iceberg a bunch of songs and I realized like he really fucked with them. Like he just was thought they were hilarious. The song Piranha is what I think cemented like Iceberg and I as like just, you know, as far as just working together. Do you know, I don't know if you've even heard that, if you know that song. Which track, which album uh, is that on? No, it's good with names. The Untitled Soccer Mom tape. It's the first project. I dropped this year the first one. Uh, no, I don't I, think I've heard yeah. that one yet. It's dope. It's like a probably not as good as Meterville, but I just I feel like well, I. You get know, actually, I think I think I did hear it. I think I did hear it, but only like once. Okay, yeah, because I'm like online looking at it. Yeah, I definitely recognize the the album cover, so I think I've heard it. Yeah, yeah, I thought Piranhas. it was good, but that was one of the first things I heard from you too. I think it was that. I'm tape. definitely an acquired taste. I feel like. Oh, yeah, 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 I definitely agree. But once you do, like, I think the key thing is after you kind of like, oh, okay, this is how the style is, you realize really quickly how fucking like actually good you are at rapping. And that actually brings me to like my uh, one of the questions about Red Snow, my last one about the closing track victories. I think that was like 
the best song I've ever heard you make. And the beat was, I think that was a master's beat, right? I think so. Yeah. He that killed was, that beat. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's like a perfect kind of like closing track type beat. It's just like very climactic and, and, and beautiful. Um, but you basically rap nonstop on that track. And that's not like a two minute track. That's a four plus minute tracks. So you're rapping straight off the top or straight, straight through. And I wanted to understand, like, do you, write your stuff down or do you just go off in the booth and just rap off top i write it all i you write it, it all. all i have a couple of songs i think that i've recorded that are just purely freestyles but i don't i've never dropped them or anything they're like they're not bad but you can tell like i, I write like once you hear them you'd be able to tell like okay this is him freestyling but yeah i write everything down I do freestyle a lot though. And I write really quick. Like a lot of the time, especially recently, since I've been trying to, you know, drop a bunch of as much music as possible, I will write really fast. And so I could see where it would even come off as maybe kind of freestyled because I'll just go off and like different little tangents and shit. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was like a it's like a giant stream of conscious, like exactly how that style is. And it was just, it kept flowing really naturally. That's why I was thinking, it's like, are you just like literally thinking about this? And then this logical next line comes from the last, like, cause it was, it was really impressive. Like really. That impressive. is how I do it. I, I try to not think about any of my, like, I know this probably sounds, this might sound like crazy or weird to say, but I try to not think about any of my bars too much. I try to just like say whatever comes natural. And as long as it sounds like, as long as it's not whack or like something really, you know, stupid or over the top, like I just like to keep flowing with that because I just feel like that'll be the most natural sound I can get basically, which is mm -hmm. going to be the best I think I can do. Your blunts are rolled out of roaches Whole town of culprits The coldest Everything I touch is gold And you know it You're a bozo I bet you bump it rugged man Bet you bump RA Your songs are trash Mine get played across the state Cause I'm great I'm actually starting to Kind of uh, provide artist development services to artists And so why I bring that up Is because one of the biggest components I find Of the business side of independent artists is navigating the distribution of music and i know you pretty much exclusively have your music up on bandcamp versus releasing it on the spotify's and the the apple musics so could you tell me a bit insight into why you think that's like the best way for you and and what do you think the pros and cons of that are because i always find that really interesting how how artists navigate this so i think it's the best for me for a combination of two reasons for one obviously Bandcamp pays you 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 get way more money through Bandcamp than anywhere else then in addition to that Bandcamp is just a lot more user-friendly for the artist in general because you get paid a larger percentage you can upload stuff quicker it's immediately up as soon as you upload it you can put any album cover you want there's you can... actually restrictions to that on the other on like apple music and spotify yeah there are that i oh. actually had i've had songs taken down because of the cover before because i had one song what? a really old song the first song that i had ever did with masters and buddha together like i had songs with both of them separate but the first song the three of us ever did together got taken down it was because it was called banjo kazooie is that like i mean i'm not even familiar is that like a reference to something yeah that's a old nintendo 64 game okay yeah, yeah that is okay then it's a game that's like why is that getting taken down yeah so it was like that and then the cover for that that single it just got taken down <laughs> i'm looking at stuff it. like that why is this being taken down this is so funny it just looks cute, if anything. I don't even like understand what I'm looking at necessarily because I forget the game, but that's that's so weird. Yeah, it's crazy to me. But they they take shit down like that. And then they don't like Bandcamp. You can charge whatever price you want to charge. You can make it so you can't listen to songs without playing them. 
if you want. It just gives you so many options. But then a reason that I feel like is kind of overlooked, the people who make like, who want, who usually want the kind of music I make, at least at first, like when no one knows who I am, all their, all the artists they listen to distribute their music through Bandcamp mainly. Yeah, so it's I, becoming way more popular. So I feel like people that are in the market for the type of rap I make, like they usually are going to want the Bandcamp link. They usually go to Bandcamp first. I preferred Bandcamp always because I just like, I don't use streaming services or anything like that. I just have a iPod that I have a bunch of songs on that I just keep adding to. So I know like people either like me or people that like the type of music I make, they use Bandcamp. So I should just feel like that should be the maybe the main one I use because that'll make it the most accessible to them, the people that are going to be willing to pay for it. Yeah, I, I think do, you're oh, sorry, go, go. I I do actually use uh streaming services a little bit, but all I really put out on there are I've been putting out like a lot of music recently. So every week that I haven't put out an album, I've put out just like a random single that's not you know connected to any project or anything usually just on that friday mm. and i've been putting those on streaming services so then if people hear those through through the streaming service and like my stuff they got to look for my music that they can buy and they'll find a lot more music yeah that's a, i actually think that's a pretty cool thing you're doing because it actually uh i think i saw a tweet by vic spencer on the topic of him again again uh where he tweeted like how he has different kinds of like selections or types of his music on all the different platforms. Like, yeah, I saw like that those too. And, yeah. And I found that, I found that really interesting because you're, I think you're touching on a lot of important things related to like understanding the ecosystem that your listeners may be into. Like they're into, obviously, like I told you, I got into through iceberg theory. He doesn't have any of his music on streaming. So I never even think to stream it. I always go on Bandcamp. Um, and I think that's a really good thing to kind of understand for other artists listening that there, you need to understand what your target audience, how they are, what they do, where they go to get their music, because that's really important. And then you can push your merch too, which I find is like, there's nothing even comparable on any other, any other platform. You don't have like a artist page where you can directly buy, which I just think is so whack. Like you couldn't, you don't even, can't even have a link. Like. It's yeah, just exactly. like such an easy thing that they could have done, but they don't for obvious reasons. And uh, yeah, and I think that's I think that's really interesting. You you also have the like mailing lists are becoming really important, um, and you pretty much have one built in. As soon as you buy a project on Bandcamp, you can just tick tick that add to my add to the mailing list of this guy, and then I get all the messages of the artists that you clearly like because you bought something from them. So it's yeah, yeah, and I, yeah I agree. I really like that too. I actually send out messages on there a lot. It's, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's dope because people will just for sure see it that I've bought something like, Hey, I just got an email from Bandcamp from two dollar or I just got two. Cause I'll probably drop an album and say something. And I, uh, hopefully that helps like, cause I'll put, even put links to other people's stuff. Like, the Blicky boys have each put out music recently and I've sent out links there and they've yeah. gotten sales from that. Yeah, no, that that's, I, I think bank bank camp is quickly becoming like my favorite. I still use the streaming services mainly just out of convenience sometimes, but I have an iPod classic like you. I don't know if it's the same one, but I have 160 gigs, not even enough for the amount of music I actually have on my, like my regular iTunes, but Bandcamp is, just so good for discovering music. I never use streaming for that. I just stream specific music I already like. It's I've never bothered using the playlist or the like like there's no way to even like use that platform for discovering music. But Bandcamp, they have the the editorials uh sections, they have the they even have like the um the discover page that just has like pretty good lists of random stuff that I've I bought a lot of music just by scrolling and scrolling exactly the 
the only places I like really discover new music besides someone just showing me or telling me like if I'm looking for new to find new music I'm on Bandcamp or I'm on YouTube like nothing else really suggests stuff that you're actually going to be interested in Mm -hmm. 80% of the time or if it does like Spotify because like at work I'll use Spotify sometimes just because it's on the work computer Mm -hmm. and I'll like anything like that it's like oh you'll probably like this say i'm listening i don't know fuck you could be playing my shit the only anyone's shit like no matter how underground you go it's just gonna be like here listen to benny (laughs) like i'm dead serious like every time it's like i think you know what you want to listen to benny right now and it's like you know benny's dope but Benny's not the only person I want to listen to Spotify and then it'll throw you a curveball and be like, you know what? Here's Freddie Gibbs. Here's action Bronson. (laughs) Obviously I fuck with Freddie Gibbs. I'm wearing a Freddie Gibbs hoodie right now, but it's just like shit. Oh shit. That's a nice hoodie. Like why the fuck are you doing this? Like, I don't know. They just like, don't really ever introduce me to anything new. They just show me the more popular stuff that I already listen to. Mm -hmm. Word. Okay, man, this has been this has been a really, really fun conversation. Um, before we wrap, I want to just get your get to understand what do you have coming up in the future? I bet you have 30 projects <laughs> dropping in the I, next month. But uh, what's what's going on? I got actually quite a few projects that I've been working on. Um, on 420, Young Regis and I are going to drop an album. We've been trying to make this album for we used to be next door neighbors and we had this shed that we would smoke in listen to music and write shit in and stuff like on his like a little more on his property i guess and we called the shed the wedgewood because it had this stove that just said wedgewood that we couldn't move in there so we were making we've been trying to make this album the wedgewood tape for like a year and it just never happened so on 420 we're finally releasing that then in May, I got an album Butte Chips with Iceberg Theory coming out. Mm. That's uh, we actually Meterville's mostly leftover songs from Butte Chips, the songs oh. that like didn't make the cut. I'm I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I don't know. I got a lot of songs from it on there uh, on my computer right now. And it's definitely some of my best stuff. That's going to be a really dope album. I also have, uh, I want two Sundays ago, I made eight songs. I did like, I rapped over eight Blood Blicks and Beats. I got those sitting on my hard drive. I don't know what, what's even going on with those, but I got like, I just made eight songs over Blood Blicks and Beats. Me and Masters, like I said, we have a couple hundred songs probably together. We're going to drop an album in November. We're going to just keep stacking them and get whatever the best songs are. That Victory song was a cut song from that, actually, that I just felt like had been... I just had listened to it so many times. I just was like, this song's too dope to not put out. Um plenty of stuff we're gonna i'm on young regis's album that's coming out on the seventh three times actually so i i got some more features uh some more songs coming out real soon and then i'm sure there's stuff i'm even forgetting iceberg and i have like a separate project that I don't even I don't even know we haven't even said anything about it so I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything but we're just rapping together on it different producers a lot of a lot of different music Blicky Boys are gonna make another album I'm gonna do a I think uh, also in addition to all that Once Upon a Time and Silver Bow is gonna be like kind of the start of a series I'm gonna drop once upon a time in floral park next which is a neighborhood in butte Mm. the one that the wedgwood's in that like i used to live in so a lot of different music just i've kind of just been going with making songs and 
either putting them together as projects or just sitting down for a day and just making a project in that one sitting. Yeah, your work ethic is is insane. So I'm it's I'm really excited for fun. for all that. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get to it. I I dropped seven albums uh this year so far, seven projects, and I plan on definitely doubling that. I'm sure I'll do more. It's only April 2nd or 3rd. Mm-hmm. Word. All right, man. Thank you so much. This has been a really fun conversation. I hope anybody listening, check out $2 Will's music. It'll be in the, the description of this episode, wherever you, you stream it or watch it. And yeah, take care, everybody. Thanks again. Thanks again, Will. I really, really enjoyed it. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, man. Take care. They call me Cushy Joe. They call me Big Blunt Bobby. They selling dick sucks in the lobby. Like six bucks, probably. I'm a prophet. I'm godly. So this concludes today's episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this episode gave you some fresh new perspectives on the latest rap releases as well as a recommendation for the next great rap record to add to your collection. If you're an artist looking to level up your career, getting more gigs, album sales, merch sales, whatever it may be, I would love to help you with that by providing you artist development and writing services. So if you're interested, contact me via email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com or hit me up via Twitter or Instagram at Rovview, R-O-H-V-I-E-W. I would be honored to lend my expertise and help you grow your career as an artist. And also for regular rap fans that just want to hear more quality commentary on the genre, follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well. For exclusive content and updates related to the show, follow the Rap Music Plug podcast on Facebook to help the show grow and ensure that everyone's listening to the best rap music at all times. Follow the show on the podcast platform of your choice. Make sure you leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts so that the show can be spotlighted by that wonderful algorithm and be exposed to more people. You can find all of this information along with exclusive playlists created by myself by clicking the link that's in the episode's notes. So that's all for today. Talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>